0: Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you are blessed, by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church and its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to redchurch.org.au. It's wonderful to be together. My name's Brittany. I'm one of the pastors here at Red Church. And we are in a series following as Focus, um, which is fantastic. This is week three. But before I say anything else, I just really have a sense of wanting to really make ourselves present to Holy Spirit this morning. He's already here. I'm really sensing his presence and Jesus being revealed through our worship, through our prayer, through the children. How beautiful were the children worshiping? There's something about their joy that's contagious. But before we start, before I say anything else, I'd love to just pray. And each of us, just really, as you feel comfortable, open up to what Holy Spirit wants to do this morning because I can tell you all these things that are great and share this stuff, but it's really him that brings transformation. So please join with me, and I'll get you to open up your hands just where you're sitting, if you feel comfortable. And just say with me these words as a prayer. Holy Spirit is is a gentleman. He comes gently. He comes in fullness. He comes to reveal who Jesus is and to help us show the love of the Father and understand that. And so we, we just say, Holy Spirit... Would you awaken my heart, my mind, my soul to what you want to do this morning to the Lord Jesus and may your kingdom come in this space and in this week and in this nation through what you do in my heart and how I live that out. Holy Spirit, please fill me this morning. Oh, oh man. Beautiful. So week three, following his focus, we've had Mark share the past couple of weeks, and it's been a really, really interesting topic to explore. Mark, in the first week, kind of looked at the fact that Our culture tells us that, or you know, it's like, yeah, you can totally follow Jesus as well as doing this and this and this and this, like do everything and Jesus. And we live these kind of distracted, distorted lives because we are pulled in all these different directions and our opportunity is to focus on Jesus and follow him. And then the second week, Mike kind of took that further and we looked at that concept of, I don't know if you guys remember the spray bottle? that sense of mist and vapor, and the sense that the culture also creates this space and pulls at our desires in this way, almost like a mist, like a shape-shifter in pulling us towards other things that have this illusion of being life-giving and refreshing, but like mist, fade really quickly. And so we're kind of constantly clinging to those things, but never actually grasping anything. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. And as Mark said, I was going to be practical this week, which I will be, but I didn't want to stand and just be like, great, let's hit some focal activities and just tick off the list because that's not going to help us, is it? So I just want to sit with that thought a little bit more, invite Holy Spirit to lead us and look at some things biblically of what it means to live a focused life. I will add some practical as promised, but I just I'm so fascinated by this feeling that we have over the last two weeks, as Mark has kind of honed in on that, that we are made for the eternal. We crave something to participate in to that effect, and yet we spend our days playing in the temporal and influenced by the fleeting and wonder why we kind of feel this disease. The more we engage with this vapor, the more we feel like vapor or we can't quite grasp things. And you're actually noticing this. This is happening in the culture as well. There's a real sense of purging of these tangible things or purging of um, experiences even, and people are seeking more meaning. Have you noticed that in conversations you're having? People, they're trying to grasp at something. So it's not just within the church, it's outside of it. There's this sense of people like, I want something more. I'm made for something more. And when you look at it biblically, we are. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11, that God, he has made everything beautiful in its time, and he has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. And so that feeling that we all have, we all have inside of us, is because we have this sense of eternity in our heart, this desire to be a part of something bigger, but yet still be really present to where we are. It's so funny, if you look at Ecclesiastes, who's read this book? Yeah. It's, it's a bit humdrum sometimes, right? You know the bit before it, it says there's a, bond, a time... For everything, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to tear down and a time to build, search and give, throw away, keep, war, peace. There's a time, there's a time, there's a time. It's so cyclical, but also doesn't life feel like that a little bit? You can identify with it. There's a time to rise and a time to sleep, a time to get the kids up, a time to put them to bed, a time to feed them over again, a time to wipe the counter again but also we go through a year like that sometimes. This cyclical nature of life can feel weary. And so we do want something else. And so there's this contrast in Ecclesiastes. It's that line, all those things before it, and then this point. But God has set eternity in the human heart. And it's not to taunt us or to tease us. It's to help us recognize that we actually balance both. We live in both. We are created with both. This is the experience of being human. And as I said, the society are kind of seeking something else. But as Mark shared, I was really struck by a statement he made around what the culture has done to us. And I wonder if you can agree with me in the sense of, I'm tired having my emotions and my desires pulled at by the things around me. Being exploited for something else down to watching an Instagram post and feeling like my life's inadequate, my emotions being exploited. I'm tired of that in the culture. I want something else. I desire something else. And I think as a culture we're shifting to that. We are all seeking that. Can you feel it? Whatever the culture is offering us, it feels like we're drinking kind of salt water. You have a little bit and you just kind of need more. It feels like you're just endlessly drinking. I still thirst because I want something else, because I have eternity in in my heart, just as you do. I want something pure and refreshing, something to dive into, something life-altering, a change. Not just vapour that comes and goes, but actually something that cuts through, that forms a path that I can be a part of, that I can join in and can be immersed in, can be carried with. What brings this change? of paths. What brings the cut out of that circle, out of that cycle? Well, it's partnering with Holy Spirit as he is essentially a part of the eternal and the present. He was there at the beginning of creation and he's here now. We've just spent time welcoming him, recognising him within us. And we have this promise, that sense of the eternal and present. It says in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who was a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so as we have these cycles in life, as we seek more, what we're actually seeking is Holy Spirit. Wanting that because he has been placed within us as a reminder that we are designed to be with God and designed to live in the eternal and the present. It's a little bit hard to grasp, but it's a beautiful concept and it sits here. It grows beyond our mind. It's something we live and experience when we believe and follow. It's almost like these streams desiring something more tangible. As Mark said, when water is concentrated, it can actually cut through rock. It carves and shapes things. What if our lives were more like that, like streams, these streams that come together to form a river and have an impact? Holy Spirit does that. If you look throughout history, Holy Spirit has brought focus to the church time and again. When the culture goes astray, Holy Spirit comes and he draws our attention and draws our focus. He brings all these streams together and creates a river. If you look back over church history, throughout the generations, the wandering church because we're humanity and we do this. The cycles that we're in, these movements arise where renewed teaching comes, new, renewed encounters with God, with the kingdom, with Jesus. There are many traditions. I just wanna share a few. There's the contemplative tradition. Some of these names and some of these movements you will recognize. So that happened in the sixth century and that was the Benedictines. And then there's the 16th century with the Moravian movement. There was a holiness that came. People came back to me like, what does it it mean to live a holy life? And within that, the Roman Catholic Reformation came. On the 12th, 13th, and 14th century, people like Thomas A. Kempis, Ignatius of Loyal, Teresa of Avila, these saints who brought this sense, who wanted to live a focused life, who encountered something of Holy Spirit, and brought change. In the 18th century, as Mark mentioned, John Wesley, He's one of those individuals, Holy Spirit gathering people. 19th and 20th century, you've got Stanley Jones and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, people who lived focused lives, who wanted something more. The charismatic tradition, really the beginning of that was Paul the Apostle in the first century. But throughout the years, that's grown. Francis of Assisi, John Wimber, all these people. You can jump in and out of history to see that Holy Spirit has brought focus to the church and renewed it and brought life. What about the social justice tradition? That sense of compassion, God loving his people, Jesus, his compassion and mercy. The abolition movement in 18th century, William Wilberforce, he lived a focused life and it brought change. Not just him, but the people in that time. When a movement happens, it gathers a people. The suffrage movement in the 19th century and then the Salvation Army also under that. People like William Booth, Dorothy Day, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks. These are just names, but they represent generations that were like, do you know what? I think it's time. It's time to come back to focus. And they depended on Holy Spirit to bring them together. A movement is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that's so much of what he does. When we sit in a room together, you and I are united by the Holy Spirit. That's what brings us into one space. And that can happen on huge levels. Holy Spirit does this. But what does it mean for us? I've said I'm going to be practical. I want to talk about how we live focused lives. So when you allow Holy Spirit to move in you, what happens? What does he do? Well, Jesus said, he told us about Holy Spirit in John's Gospel. It's written, John 14, 15 to 21, and verse 25. If you love me, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples, to us, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give another give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and he'll remind you of everything I have said to you. This Holy Spirit that is with God and with us, you know him, and he is so close. He is he's right with you. And his design, his heart, is to help you recognize the truth and come back to that, that focus, that understanding of actually in these cycles of life where I'm pulled in all these different directions and I want to seek something greater, Holy Spirit's like, I'm right here. I will lead you step by step. I will show you, I reveal to you, I will draw it out of you. And so, as we think about living a focused life, as we think about the culture and seeking the same thing, what is the difference when we're empowered to live the spirit filled life? How is that different when we focus in on things? So, I have a wonderful little table to explore this very thought. As Mark said, we've, last week, you made a joke about making sourdough, which is great, and it has been a bit of a trend over the last couple of years. But have you noticed the secular focus, those those events, which are good, let's use making sourdough, that's great, but it's become this kind of lifestyle thing I'm like, oh yeah, I make sourdough, and I grow my own veggies, and I have this really organic, beautiful life. And that's a good thing. That's secular focus, but with the Holy Spirit, it's not just a lifestyle, there's life transformation. That when you participate in the same practices, Holy Spirit actually wants to bring transformation to you. So that when you make sourdough and you knead with your hands, the hands that God gave you, and you create with the creator and you participate in that process, and then you offer it at a table with others sitting around it and you share communion and you speak of God, life transformation happens. There's something more to it than just a lifestyle or a way of living. Something else, a secular-focused life. It's almost like this sense of escapism, you know, meditation to just kind of push everything down and get above it all. You're like, okay, I just need to get out of my chaotic life. But actually, when you're focusing in and contemplating with God, it's actually almost like with Holy Spirit there's an immersion. It's not a removing of life. It's a deepening and getting into it more. Because that is where God is. We're designed to live on this planet. We are very human and very earth-bounded. Also, we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's life, heaven and earth. And so we immerse ourselves in it more. The secular focus is about control. I want to control my life and put all these things in. I live a focused life. So I call the shots. I know what's coming next. Actually, life in the Spirit, your focus is Surrender. When you come to Holy Spirit, it's actually a letting go of your life and an offering it back to God. Wanting to reduce life down, again, is the secular focus. Reduce it to control it, but Holy Spirit wants to expand your life. When you focus, ironically, he broadens your vision. He creates greater perspective, more opportunity, more participation in the kingdom. It's exciting. And finally, in contrast, the secular focus is self-centered. This is my life. This is how I'm going to do it. When I'm focused, I'll work at how best I survive in the world. It's this isolated train of thought and tracks that you place. Whereas with Holy Spirit, when you focus, it actually becomes far more relational because what you arrive at is not yourself, but it's someone else, and that's Jesus. And he wants to relate with you, and then that also like the sourdough analogy or picture, you place a piece of bread on the table to offer to those around you. Your focused life gives fruit and life for others. These are the differences. This is what we're called to. And Jesus models this for us. Holy Spirit has been sent like Jesus' presence. The disciples had him there, and he's like, I'm going to send someone who's even closer, who's not going to leave you, who will stay with you always. And if you look at Jesus' life, he led a pretty busy life, right? Like he was constantly teaching. He was hanging out with the disciples. They're wanting something from him. He had all the crowds. He also had the Pharisees and Sadducees after him. He was feeding 5,000. He was in a boat. He was praying. He was in a synagogue. He had a pretty full schedule. But he lived a focused life. He brought that sense. He was, in a sense, the eternal and the present, right? He represents that. And I love that he says to us, in Matthew's Gospel, as we sit in that cycle of Ecclesiastes, it shares, as a time to die and live in that cycle, he knows it. He lived it. He rose in the morning. He had a full day, and he went to sleep, and he did it over and over and over again. He knows it well. But he also was empowered to live a focused life, partnering with Father and Spirit. And he says to us, when we were in the depths of that weariness, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He knows that our lives can be hard, that we want to choose a life of focus, and sometimes that's hard to do. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come and walk with me. I will show you what it means to walk in that stream. A yoke is something that was used to um, harness two, like cattle together, to move forward, to plow a ground that would carry something behind them or drag it. And so there's a sense of you walk side by side with Jesus. And that's what Holy Spirit does. He places you there over and over again to be like, listen to Jesus. Come back to that. He shows you the way to live. And so as we do that, as we partner with Holy Spirit, we do actually need to have some practices that help us with this as we hunger to know more, something that is beyond us and to participate more fully in the world that's around us. And so we need to choose these practices that anchor and awaken our lives. They anchor us to the truth. They awaken us to something greater. Again, that's what Holy Spirit does, right? Tells us the truth, that's your anchor, and awakens you to the kingdom. That's his revelation. He does that all the time, back and forth. Concurrently refining and expanding our lives. Holy Spirit's work, it's stunning. It's amazing what he does. And do you know the word focus actually comes from a Latin word which is hearth? What does that make you think of? A fire, yeah, something warm and beautiful. So it comes from that word. And if you think about that, stay with that image, a hearth and a fire, a fire takes energy to create, right? You have to prepare for it, you have to sustain it, you have to prioritize it. But also think of the multiple benefits of a fire. What does it do? It brings warmth, light, you can cook on it, people gather around it. One focused thing actually has multifaceted um, like benefits, I suppose, and that's what focal activities are like, like creating a fire, something you have to keep coming back to, something that draws your focus and attention but has multiple gifts from it. And when looking at this, more practically, Um, In some of the reading, there's a philosopher called Albert Borgman, he looks at society and culture and, and actually technology and the way that we engage with our faith, and he talks about having focal practices, things, and places. And let's, I just want to say this as well, when we do these things, when we get into the practical, this isn't about a major life change. It's not this huge pivoting and swivel to something else, you did that when you decided to follow Jesus. But actually, it's about reclaiming our priorities. Those priorities that maybe are ignored or threatened. And so I wanna look at some characteristics of focal practices as we kind of hone in and land on some practicals. What are the characteristics of a vocal practice? Because I can give you a number of them. Like we all know them, right? The society and the culture offers them to us all the time. We actually learned quite a few during lockdown. So I don't wanna just give you that, but I want to look at what are the characteristics you're looking for, the things that make a focal practice that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. So the first one, focal living is transformative with the Holy Spirit because it awakens us to a greater reality. It's the first characteristic I wanna look at for a focal practice, and that's that Ecclesiastes, that sense of eternity in our hearts. We need practices that remind us of that bigger picture, that we are greater than what we see, right in front of us, we're designed to participate with God who is above all and in all things. We're a part of a bigger story. These little worlds that we live in, time we need time to kind of step out of that. And also within that, accepting that everything is actually out of our control. We spend so much time trying to control things. And so doing a practice that awakens us to be like, oh, actually, I can't direct everything in my life and something that brings that back front and center. It offers a new perspective as well. Sometimes we need that to step outside of our own scenario, our own culture, or even society or neighborhood and be like, what else are you doing? And finally, this characteristic invigorates a new sense of purpose. When you're awakened to a greater reality, it inspires you to lead a different life, to come back to actually wanting to see the kingdom come to participate in that. And so what are, what are a couple, here are some thoughts that I would like to you know, throw out there for particularly this characteristic, something like, you're gonna laugh, but gardening is actually connecting to a greater story, isn't it? Because you participate as a human in tilling the soil and recognize that actually everything we eat comes from the earth and that earth is dependent on the nourishment and the things that God created like the rain. For it to come forth, it's out of our control. Think of a farmer, how much they are aware of the greater story because they're dependent on it for their livelihood. So as you garden, as you put your hands in the dirt, you recognize that there's something greater than you at work and that you are dependent on something else and it awakens you. It's simple, but it's a focal activity. Participating in creation, recognizing your the dependence. There's something beautiful in that. Another one, worship. Any form of worship, right? Because it takes you from your story and puts you up to look up at God. And worship can happen in many ways, not just through song, but through um, through creativity. Basically, it's a focusing on God's presence. How will you worship him? It could be through art. It could actually be through sitting still. It could be through praise. It could be through silence. But that one focus awakens you to something else, worship. And finally, an example... That I came across, which I find really fascinating and speaks to my personality, is something like doing the Camino Trail. Has anyone done that one? Is anyone in the room is done the Camino Trail? No. Do people know what it is? Yeah. So it's um, you know, a big long pilgrimage, basically. It's fantastic. But people talk about the power of doing something where you are fully taken out of your context and you're walking this trail. And many who have said who've done it, they have these big moments of revelation of the sense of eternity and something greater. And as they chat to people along the way, as you kind of talk and you stop off in these different um, kind of like hostels where there's lunches and dinners offered. But you run into people from all around the world who are seeking something else. Sometimes they don't even know why they do it. They arrive being like, oh, work's just been really hectic, so I need a break or I've just lost a loved one and so I'm coming to do something else, or I'm seeking something in my life, someone who's younger looking for something and all these worlds kind of converge together. There are three different types of activities that we can do but the heart of it is that they all awaken us to a greater reality. What does that look like for you? Is this something you're needing, something to participate in, to awaken you and remind you of that greater story? All right, next one. Focal living is transformative for the Holy Spirit because it refines our character through repetition. Ooh. this one, we don't love as much. But I love that idea of coming back to Jesus time and again, right? We need that, that sense of come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. We can get pulled in multiple directions, but let's stick with that imagery of Jesus. If you place yourself beside him in the yoke, he's right there. He's going to set the direction. He'll show you the pattern you're going to form, just like you're tilling the soil, you're going up and down. This pattern of life, he, ke- he keeps bringing you back towards. We need to continually come back to Jesus to understand what that looks like. And not just with our minds, not just on a Sunday Sunday, not just in a quiet time, but actually with all of our beings. Our mind, emotions, our physicality, the sense of participating in all of us. I think our culture, I know I see this, has pulled us apart to engage with so much of life with our minds. And even then, at like quite a low level, this feels really critical, but I guess it is what it is. Of You know, our phones teach us that we can kind of just scan through things. And so much of life you're kind of doing that. I want you to just think right now, during the week, how many things did you engage in that involved all of your being, your physicality, your mind, your soul, your spirit? Just have a bit of a recall from your week. And some of you might have jobs where that is true, like you're a landscaper and you're like, yeah, I've been using my hands all week. But how much of it was in your mind and how much of it was you being fully present to what you're doing? How often do we do that? These sense of focus activities that refine our character because we come back to it again. And we learn a new skill, something like learning an instrument. Those times where you have to keep putting yourself before it and it takes all of your focus. Your body is positioned in a particular way. You're aware how clumsy your fingers are when you're trying to play piano and you're trying to hit a chord over and over again and you're repeating it, you're getting frustrated. Your character is formed because you keep coming back and being like, actually, this is something i can do but as we do it again i think our culture has taught us any sense of insecurity around oh we're not capable of doing this you know when you start a new task kind of leads to shame and then fear and then like eh, i think i'll just not do that but actually that's where your character is formed to say no i think i can do this and i'm going to stick in with it and repetition i'm going to come back to it over and over again unpredictability when we engage in these things, when we come across things we're not expecting, like going for a long hike and all the conditions changing, no matter how well you packed your backpack, you didn't anticipate what would be on the track. Unpredictability is actually a major aspect of the rewarding nature of a focused life. We actually want that. There's something exciting about something coming up and you, you know, having to wrestle through your own fears and insecurities and then learn a new skill to overcome that. Partnering with Holy Spirit in doing it. It actually awakens us. And so focal living, when you partner with Holy Spirit, it refines our character through repetition, coming back time and again, something that can't be easily moved through, that we can't control, that we don't have influence over. They're really significant. Some other ideas. So I've already mentioned hiking, which, again, one of my faves. Playing a new instrument. Or something like riding... Writing, like writing a novel where you're having to keep working on it and it challenges you and expands you or even another sort of outdoor activity. A lot of them are outdoors because it puts you in an element where you can't control it, like kayaking or something like that. These focus activities, they require us to be fully present, all of our beings, and they reform us and shape us. All right, final one. Focal living is transformative for the Holy Spirit because it conquers us for the kingdom This one's a bit weird. But again, looking at John 14, that sense of the Holy Spirit comes to shape and form us, and he conquers our flesh within us. What do I mean by that? Other things that draw us out, what the culture is pulling at us, as I said, our emotions, those desires that are being distorted. Holy Spirit brings us back. When we sit with him, like that idea of meditation in the secular um, culture, but with Jesus, it's contemplation. You come before him not to control, but to surrender. So it's the same posture, but where you end is actually, please conquer this in my life because I want to see the kingdom come. And placing yourself before him and letting that happen. Not seeking an experience or something that is driven by our own desires, but actually seeking him. And we invite Holy Spirit into that place. And when that happens, the the kingdom is advanced because it's his way and his life that comes through us as we surrender our crowns, the way that we want to do things and pick up God's way. The kingdom is conquered in us and it takes ground for the kingdom. So some thoughts on that one. Focus activity, something that puts you in this position over and over again is prayer. Prayer does that, right? Prayer is a space where you come before God and Holy Spirit and say, I would love to see these happens, but your will be done. I'm putting down my will. Let me align to your will. Conquer me for the kingdom. Let it be your way in my friend's life, in my family, in my workplace. Prayer is a focal activity that conquers us for the kingdom. A couple more really any form of serving, serving or volunteering. Serving is another way that you're offering something of the kingdom. It doesn't benefit you, but it's a focal activity that requires all of you that you come to, and that can have multiple expressions. You know, you can serve at an NGO, you can serve in missionary um, ways, you can serve at a church, you can serve in the local council, you can serve your family. There are so many ways, but service is one of them. Another really practical one, preparing and hosting a meal. That is offering the kingdom. It's that sourdough analogy again, creating that space. And finally, this one again is part of a spiritual discipline, but fasting. Fasting is a sense of being conquered by the Holy Spirit. Our desires, that very physical thing to eat for the kingdom, these are focus activities that help us con- that help that process. So, all those things are great. There's some characteristics, there's some practicals, but they're all designed to be empowered by Holy Spirit. And the significance of this is the difference when we do it just for lifestyle rather than with Holy Spirit for life transformation becomes because of the Spirit that is within you. As it says in Romans eight eleven. and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you that's who you're participating with. As you do these tasks, entering them in, entering to them with your whole being, you're participating with the Holy Spirit who brought Jesus back to life. Imagine what's going to happen as you lived that focused life. And so when you look for vocal activities, as you think about it this week, as you consider the characteristics, one of the key things before you engage in any of them, before you add them to your life, is inviting Holy Spirit in to them, just as we did at the beginning of this service. And most often, these vocal activities, they're good, they centre us, they give us a more focused life, they create that stream, rather than living that life of vapour. And really, reality is, when we're doing it with the Holy Spirit, we're usually going to end up understanding more of God's love and growing in our trust in Him. That will be the result, which is really powerful. I want to finish by just telling a story. As I shared before, um, all the different traditions throughout church, hi- church history were formed because of Holy Spirit bringing focus. And one name I mentioned was Rosa Parks. And I just wanna tell her story really briefly if you've not heard it before. So Rosa Parks grew up in the seg- segregated South um, in the US in around 1920, 19, like between 1920 and 1960 she was living in that time. She was frequently confronted with racial discrimination. So she went to a black school and high school. She had to participate in all the black categorized activities throughout her life. She was married at 19 to a wonderful young man and together they worked in many social justice organizations to see change. And eventually, Rosa was elected secretary of the Montgomery chapter of the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. She had a focused life. She saw something that wasn't right in her society and she chose to participate in the change of it. She's 19 when she gets married and is nominated on this board not long after that. So on December the 1st in 1955, Rosa Parks boards a bus in Montgomery, Alabama and instead of going to the back of the bus which was designated for the African Americans, she sat in the front. As she sat there, when the bus started started to fill up with passengers, white passengers, the bus driver asked Parks to move, and she refused. Her resistance set in motion one of the largest social movements in history, the Montgomery bus boycott. Her decision, having lived this focused life, made a massive change, was a part of a big movement. And as time went on, she was arrested for this and went to jail for it, for choosing not to move out of her seat, for standing up, not just for herself, but all the people that she represented. Many tried to diminish her role in it afterwards and say, oh, she was just tired and that's why she did it. It wasn't really anything, like trying to just like dismiss it. But Parks later on wrote an autobiography and she denied that. And this is what she said in her autobiography. So as people say that I didn't give up my seat because I was tired, but that isn't true. I was not tired physically or more tired than usual than I was usually at the end of a working day. I was not old, although some people have an image of me as being old then. I was only 42. No, the only tired I was, was tired of giving in. Rosa Parks was tired of giving in to a culture that was oppressing her. And our story is different now. We're not living in that time. We're not experiencing that necessarily in that specific way. But we are tired of the culture pulling us in different directions, are we not? I'm tired of it. And so there's an opportunity to take a stand, to be like Rosa Parks, to live a focused life and not worry about what will come of that. She wasn't like, I'm going to sit on this seat and then a movement's going to be birthed. That she wasn't thinking that, but that's what took place because Holy Spirit empowers us to do that. And so, focal living this idea of coming back to the core things of who we are. Coming back to the idea that we are designed to live on this earth where we also participate in heaven, when heaven and earth come together at the end of all time, that partnership with Holy Spirit is significant and impactful because it is the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And so in all these things, when you consider what you're going to do, your focal activities, realise that what brings a meaning is because you are participating in the kingdom. These focal activities, what will they do? They'll fight for the kingdom. They'll protect it, they'll nurture it, they'll establish it. That's what you're participating in. And that is exciting, just as Rosa Parks did, having a focus, life in making a decision, and the impact that that had, she could never have comprehended. Why don't you stand? This has been a bit more of a practical week. But I just want to pause and just think about, as we make these changes, there can be a temptation to look at what other people are going to do, but actually, God has led you in a particular way. He's doing something in your life, and he'll orientate you to a focused practice that will enhance what he's doing. And so I just want to remove any sense of comparison. But as you begin to live more focused, as you choose that, may the streams of Holy Spirit build within you and form. And may these streams come together to form a mighty river because, God, we want to see you come again in our time. We would love to see a movement of your spirit, whatever that looks like, because you've done it before and we trust that you will do it again. And so we stand as your people and we say, shape us and lead us to those waters. Teach us to swim in them, dive in them, be immersed in them. Holy Spirit, may you fill your people to live focused lives for your kingdom. May transformation come through the hands and feet in this room. To the things that are prepared for the repetition of learning new skills, through voices, through just being present. Father, shape us to be your church in this time. May your kingdom come. Amen.